Hello everyone, I am Marcibel and this is the Marcibel Podcast. This is the More Civil Podcast. Welcome to another episode of it. It's a podcast about culture, cultural nomads, designed for Blacks and Asians, and those who love them. I'm your host, Mosibo, Nigerian-born, US-educated, Korean-speaking, struggling intellectual. Today, I have a very, very wonderful friend. And yeah, she did pay me to say that with me. Um, <laughs> she's here from Austin visiting. There's a story behind that. But let's just say she's one of those friends that make me have trust issues. She kind of <laughs> snuck, snuck up on me. Um, I've known her for, I think, almost two years now. Mm-hmm. And we met on, on Facebook, believe it. And we, we met through a forum. And we kind of got talking because the the basis of us meeting was because she was coming to Austin. And then we got talking. And I was like, okay, let's just see how she's going to be like. I remember the first time I so how you know that kind of guard you kind of let up when you meet someone for the first time but the moment i started talking i was like you know what <laughs> let me just let my guard down it's not useful with this person because she's she's that wonderful um oh, this shit. is my <laughs> oh she's also a house that girl for those of you that don't know about the the major tribes we have in nigeria there are three major tribes there are many tribes in nigeria but there are three major tribes. There's a Yoruba tribe. This is the tribe that I'm from. And there's the Hausa tribe and there's the evil tribe. So this is my friend Zainab. She's a Hausa girl with a very funky twist. I'm really beginning to think we need to revoke her Hausa citizenship, whatever that means, because she's 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 more um continental than Hausa. But anyways she- <laughs> Sometimes she reminds me of a house girl, sometimes she reminds me of an evil girl, sometimes she reminds me of a Yoruba girl, but all in all, she reminds me of an old soul. Join me welcoming Zainab Omar, my very dear friend Zainab. Hello, Zainab. Hi, mom. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, so um, I should ask, like, what do you want to know? But let me see. Let me try. I am a single mom yeah. of an amazing nine-year-old. Believe it. Shout out to your daughter. Yeah, she's a spunky little nine-year-old. Yeah. And I'm currently doing a doctoral program and learning disabilities and behavioral disorders. Wow. I don't even believe it. That's like a mouthful. <laughs> and congrats to your master's, by the way. Yeah, and I just graduated with my master's. Woo! So, yay. Power. Yeah, I am from the northern part of Nigeria. I have four amazing siblings that I love to death. I love my mom. My dad's late. What else? I have amazing friends. Mo managed to be one of them. So. Managed. Uh, whatever. Managed. <laughs> one of them and i guess i'm, I'm a really easy going person why would you say that it's people that say i'm humble you know they're never humble hey easy going anyways let's uh, keep that for another episode of the okay, podcast okay. <laughs> so um for me there are two things that are very striking about you one is you know your heritage is house a person and this is me talking as a Yoruba girl that grew up in lagos i had two kinds of interactions with house people they were the ones that went to the i went to quite an expensive primary school I saw some of them, they were the highly educated ones that you'd go sit to the house, like during Salah and the house Salah made. And then the ones that were, they came from the north to hustle in Lagos. So they were like, like your, those that fetched your water for you, or they were Malam where you go buy chewing gum and sweets and groundnuts. But you, I feel like you are not the kind of house that I've been exposed to. Because we don't really mix like that, you know, house the way you guys, where you guys live up in the north, 
most where we are densely concentrated. There are houses all over Nigeria for sure, but densely concentrated ones. And we that were in Lagos, where Lagos is like a melting pot of different cultures, but there are predominantly Igbos and Yorubas. What does it mean to you to be a Hausa girl? What does it mean to be a Nigerian Hausa? Like you pointed out, education in the north has always been a struggle. Yeah. For those that have been privileged to be educated are those that are really wealthy and have been exposed and have traveled and have seen the world. And then for those that have managed to like get you know like a secondary school education most yeah. times it's enough and then they start some kind of business that they boom in and then they blow like yeah. we say in nigeria but the majority of northerners have the struggle of being you know literate and it's it's sad because with boko haram being in the north mm, now and everything it just became worse it's always been believed that a woman's place in the north is in her husband's house first mm. of all you grow up under your father's roof and then he has to give you rules and regulations and what to eat what to wear where to go who to yeah. be friends with and then you graduate from that at a very young age most northerners marry really early mm -hmm. and then you go into your husband's house he now takes over telling you where to go who to be friends with what to eat and then he's lord over your life mm -hmm. which is very weird i would say i'm the exception because mm -hmm. my dad was really educated i wouldn't say you know we're rich but i think we're really comfortable mm -hmm. and my family my mom and dad were like really well traveled it really helped a lot and my mom just, you know, was a driving force behind me being where I am today because she yeah. always insisted that we get an education, you know, we see the world. I remember my mom telling me once, you know, you just need to travel. And I was uh. like, why? You know, and I guess she was like, well, you need to see the world. You know, she was like, just go. Once you come back, like your perspective on life will change. Uh. And true to her words, when I did come back, the next year was when I quit my job, started my school. I decided to apply for my master's program and now I'm doing a PhD, here yeah. I am. Yeah. Yes, if you have the opportunity to travel, travel. So I guess it's just because we just really don't know better. You know, uh -huh. like culture demands that that's what a woman should do or that is how Northerners are. Yeah. You know, we do business or, you know, it's who you know, you know, mm -hmm. you don't even, you can't really write or spell, but you have a brother in government that's going to put you somewhere. Yeah. And just, just the way it is, it is about who you know that has helped, you know, make us what we are today, mm. you know, in Nigeria. So I guess we need to start sensitizing people about, you know, the importance of education and especially the importance of allowing women go to school. Mm. It's very, very important. Thank you for that response. I mean, also, I thought about this. I actually put this as a comment on a question that was posed on Facebook by a wonderful deaf friend of mine. And the question was about why house has done immigrate to the U.S. And as you know, here in the U.S., eight out of, I don't know what the exact statistics is, so don't quote me on that, but I want to say comfortably that eight out of 10 Africans you meet are from Nigeria. And out of those eight, maybe six out of eight are like those that came here to have a form of, you know, advanced degree or came here for education. Yeah, true. We don't find a lot of houses here. I mean, I've, I can tell you, I, I've, I've met a lot of Nigerians in the U.S. a lot, but they're mostly either scattered within the Yoruba tribe or the Igbo tribe. So I started thinking to myself, why don't you have a lot of houses, like even coming here first? And those ones that come here, they don't stay back. They go right back home. And it's commendable, but why isn't that like, um, how do I put it? Like a shared access to people like me and other people like me. And the the response I give to that, which I would like for you to test to see if it's a right thing, because I always want, even when I have these opinions, I always try to put them out there to get feedback to see if it's the right thing, because you are a house person, so you can tell me if it's a fair <laughs> statement to make. Is that 
when an average house star person, which you are an outlier by the way, when it comes to the US, there's a packet deal they get from either their governors or people representing their state. So they usually come on a full ride. They don't have to come like me where you have to hustle and, you know, either get some job in school and things like that. They come with scholarship, they get stipends. And by the time they're done, there's usually like a position waiting for them back home to go back to. So there's really any, there's really no incentive for them to stay back. But if someone like me were to go back, like an average person were to go back home, you had to join that job pool. I mean, it's bad enough for those that are educated back home in Nigeria. The job market is really tight. How much more those that are coming from, you know, another country? So so would you say even though education in the north isn't very emphasized but the males especially those that are really privileged to you know tap out of it they seem to have that dual like excessive advantage than mere people like me well to be honest i wouldn't be honestly be able to like tell you for a fact that this is what it is like mm-hmm. you said we're given our opinion mm-hmm. i for one disclaimer did not come to the u.s on a full ride <laughs> see why i say we need to get your house uh, citizenship back <laughs> <laughs> you, my friend, yeah. an outlier. So, 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 just to put it out there, I, I am here struggling like everybody else. So. She's an American hustler, and I mean that with so, every word so, of it. Yeah, right. So I've seen it all, done it all. Yeah. <laughs> As long as it's legal. Yeah, always <laughs> legal. Fine. Hashtag yeah. always legal. Always legal. Always legal. <laughs> yeah. But I know that for a fact that in the North, you know, we, we are very, very politically inclined, mm-hmm. even though we're not very, a majority are not well educated. Yeah. Like we know the fact that, you know, he who pays the piper uh-huh. takes the tune. Uh-huh. So if you're able to come, if, if governors of the Northern states do sponsor people for a fact, I do know this, that they sponsor people you mm-hmm. know to go and further their education mm-hmm. in you know other countries and then when they come back they are obligated to give back to the northern community but of course if they paid their education and they put them in advanced positions mm-hmm. who is going to be pulling their strings mm-hmm. the government mm-hmm. so it's it's a it's a win-win situation they find out that you know for those young individuals that are you know want to get an education mm-hmm. and are capable of doing that it plays to their advantage and they, they, you know, they take care of it uh, and they make sure that these are the people that stay in powerful position uh-huh. so that at the end of the day, Northerners' interest is always protected. Uh-huh. I mean, we have, just like they're wealthy Northern gov- governors, uh-huh. they're also wealthy West- Western governors and Southern, Southern governors. Eastern, so yeah. it is expected that those ones too will uh-huh. do the same for their communities uh-huh. and the people who are in them. The truth is that a Northerner will always have a Northerner's back. Uh-huh. My northern sister is always my northern sister. Uh, you know, my northern brother is always my northern brother. Uh, we are very committed to one another. Uh-huh. We have each other's back. It is just very unfortunate that, you know, the whole, once again, going back to Boko Haram started and then it's becoming or it became something else. It's much better now, you know, uh-huh. but still, we've always been a very close knit community you know, out for one another and that's how it's always been and we always know that you know being having someone in a position of power is always to your advantage and when you are leaving i believe you understand that you have to come back you have to give back yeah. just like getting a scholarship from some of those international ngos that give scholarship because they expect you to go back to your country and give back to your community hoping that it will reduce poverty and stop war oh. so I don't know. Is it a? Is it written in some kind of ink and paper? Carved stone? Yeah, probably I, not. I, I don't know. 
but I know that it happens and I know that it has benefited them yeah. a lot and I know that but not for like you or me or not yeah exactly so <laughs> no, no, you need to tell me more where these governors are so that I have no idea I can stop hustling in America <laughs> yes I do want to go back to Nigeria to make an impact yeah I might stay here and do it from here who yeah. knows I never know I, yeah. I never know what God's plans are for me until it begins to happen yeah. it's really exciting Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, another thing I really, really so admire about you is just your love for special education, especially in Nigeria. So you started a school, right, with your mom? Well, actually, I started a school. My mom was just like the consultant oh, for the school. <laughs> how long ago was that? Um, I've been here like, I'd say we started like five years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah, about five years ago. Yeah. I just... So my mom's been like in education for over 30 years mm-hmm. and when I got really frustrated because my supervisor at the time I realized or my the owner of the school where I work mm-hmm. was paying people much more mm-hmm. than what I was earning and I wasn't I was they weren't doing half the work that they you didn't have half the workload that I did mm-hmm. you know I was supposed to help revamp the special education in the school i also was in charge of language you know i was also in charge of the arm of the classrooms where i was teaching mm-hmm. it was just a lot mm-hmm. and then there's this one teacher who sits and teaches phonics and she gets paid like i don't know a thousand dollars now of what i was paid or being paid there. and it, that was a lot of money oh, convert that to naira. Yeah. i just did a calculation for you by the way yeah and then i didn't have time to spend with most drive the thing that actually drove me to start my own was the fact that i didn't have time for my daughter this i was supposed to be a teacher for crying out loud and i leave school sometimes 8 p.m uh. 10 p.m like i have to go to work on weekends when i'm supposed to be having time for my daughter and i'm mm. like you know what i'm just gonna start mine and see how it goes mm. and fortunately I had my mom's 38 experience to pick. <laughs> so you milked it for all it was worth. I milked it for all it was worth. And my sister-in-laws helped me. My sisters helped me. My brothers helped me. Wow. We'll say it's kind of like a family business without my mom because my mom is like <laughs> in a world of her own. Yeah. And she's usually like, you know, I have a real job. Yeah. I can't be working for you for free. So, you know, you have to, you know, whenever I go to her for advice. But yeah, I did start my own school. And one of the things that actually kept us open was the fact that we had a lot of support from like friends. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the people who were working with me mm-hmm. were family and friends. I know they say it's a bad idea to start business with, with families family. and friends, yeah. But take it from me if you have a family like mine they will save your behind i I don't know what words i'm allowed to use no no bad words here it's a safe clean zone (laughs) no yeah i do not use bad words all the time sometimes back to what we're talking about but yeah so we we had children who had who did have special needs Mm -hmm. and you know who other schools had written off or just weren't making the kind of progress that their parents were expecting that they would make and mm-hmm. they came to our center mm-hmm. or our early childhood um, facility and we were able or I was able to do some research and give the teachers tips on how to help better manage the individual or that child that had a learning disability yeah. or just a developmental delay. We yeah. saw children who weren't walking begin to walk after like a year mm. with just like you know 
therapy and then we saw and we and by the way we didn't have like any certification or we were just you know researching and doing what it was that we knew how to do Uh based the tips that we based on the tips that we got and that's what made me decide you know what maybe i need to do a master's Uh my mom was like you really love early years why don't you do a master's in early childhood special education like is that a thing yeah and obviously it is a thing thing. (laughs) because ut offers it so (laughs) there was yeah, and then you moved beyond that now to your PhD. Now, now tell me, what's your? I know special education as a whole is still an emerging field in Nigeria. It's a non-existent field in Nigeria. <laughs> I like to I like to be positive. Let's just say emerging, okay? Because um, and this is this is one of the reasons why this podcast is here because you are changing that narrative. So for by virtue of that, it's an emerging field. If you weren't doing it, I would say it's non-existent. So because I know you and I know a couple of others, let's just call it emerging. Um, it's an emerging field in Nigeria. And I think most of that has to do with so many other barriers that we have, you know, it could be like a lack of understanding or the cultural um, aspect of that, or just lack of infrastructure in, you know, tackling these issues. What would you say is your hope? So your vision for this is to apply what you what you're learning from here to to you know, back home, but what do you say is your hope, your overarching goal for your pursuit of um, a higher degree in this field? Okay, so in Nigeria, we are very, very familiar. A lot of people just believe that the field of special education mm-hmm. is all only about autism. Mm-hmm. You know, once you say special education, you say autism. But we have children with Down syndrome. We have children with cerebral palsy. We have children with learning disabilities, which are disabilities that are not even obvious you know we have a few schools for the deaf you know i think we have one school for the blind Mm -hmm. i don't want to give facts that i'm not sure of Mm -hmm. but i'm not saying non-existence based on the fact that we do not know anything about special education education. i'm Mm -hmm. saying non-existent because i like to deal with you know the people in like the broader sense of where infrastructure and facilities will be available to all. I'm not talking about being able to provide services for the few elite, Mm. you know, for the wealthy and the powerful, because their children get services. Mm. Before I even started my master's, I know someone who took her son abroad for three years Mm -hmm. just to be able to help him with his autism diagnosis. And he was nonverbal when they left, and by the time they came back, he was speaking. Mm. He he gets support still because his mother is very, you know, comforting in the field. Like, she yeah. knows what she's talking about. She knows, you know, all the things that he needs, yeah. all the support that he needs. And she provides that. But how about the children in our public school system? That don't have the resources. That don't have the resources to be able to access services. Mm-hmm. How about... You know the person in the village who doesn't who doesn't even have a proper school, mm. and then you're not talking about children with special needs. Yeah. Like, where do you want to start from? Mm. So my hope and goal is to be able to go to rural areas of Nigeria mm. where you know do not have any like they not like they don't have any idea because some of them still think that children who have special needs are possessed or they have spiritual it, issues. Yeah, or yeah. have spiritual issues. Yeah. So it's to go into those kind of environments and mm. communities and educate them on what special education is, mm-hmm. what special, what a child with special needs is, the different types of special needs we have. Mm-hmm. You know, in Nigeria, if you, if you do not, if you're not performing at grade level with your peers, that's mm-hmm. like you're not passing the classes you're supposed to pass mm-hmm. or you're not doing the things you're, you know, that's expected of you, you're either a dunce mm. or you're just dumb. And... Most of the time, it's, it's, not, that. it's not true. Mm. My journey in special education, mm-hmm. being educated 
at the University of Texas mm-hmm. at Austin mm-hmm. has made me understand that you know what I before I got schooled mm-hmm. <laughs> had some of these beliefs mm-hmm. I before I got enlightened believed mm-hmm. some of these things that these other people believe mm-hmm. and I think it's just a matter of educating people about what special needs is all about yeah. and then how to find you know evidence-based intervention evidence-based yeah being proven yeah, yeah yeah in court here <laughs> because you read up my journey and experience reading a lot of things on the internet is that you see a lot of things out there that are not true yeah, you know, that, yeah, yeah. that have not been tested that are just suggestions that man you know poor kids <laughs> yeah yeah so hmm. yeah Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, another thing that I'd like to ask you is, which is something that... I don't like <laughs> the look on your face right now. <laughs> it's a good sign, I promise. It kind of floored me because, okay, I pride myself in being a, a proud Yoruba girl, right? Yeah. And one of the things we're really, really good at is, you know, throwing parties. And one of the things that Nigerian Yoruba parties, for example... The, the main attraction usually is jollof rice. So I remember when you had moved into my apartment. So, backstory, when Zaina moved from the from Nigeria here, she stayed with me for a while. And you know how you just treat guests, you would cook for them. And we're like, does this girl know how to cook? There's another girl living with us by then. She, was, she wouldn't like cook anything. So we were always making meals and she would eat. It was like, maybe she's just one of those girls that don't like cooking. And then one day Zaina was like, you know what? I need to go to the grocery store. Um, we need to get, I want to cook. I was like, where? <laughs> and then she she brought all the ingredients and then she cooked so much that day my smoke alarm went off. But that's not the story here. The story here was that the jello fries she made. Oh my goodness. For, okay, for those of you listening, I don't know what jello fries is. And I call it jello fries. I don't want to talk about the other form of jello fries that are there. The ones by Ghana. I don't let's not talk about that, you know, that one. Jello fries, you know. Zainab's jello fries. I looked at her, I was like, are you kidding me? It felt like I've been eating jello fries wrong my whole life. And a part of me didn't want to even accept the fact that a house girl made jello fries that kind of disrupted my system. Like, it was really nice. I had to ask her, how did you make this? And I've been using her recipe since. It's, it's wonderful. So, your way of cooking, for example, is so different from the way we cook. Because you guys know so much about vegetables that... Like cilantro, for example. You told me you guys knew about cilantro in the north. We don't have cilantro in Lagos that I know of. Like some herbs and some vegetables you, guys, you have access to in the north that we don't have access to in the west. I can safely say that that's probably influenced your style of cooking. So what does that mean to you? All this statement that I'm making. How come your jello fries be plain? I guess that's what I'm trying to ask here. Because I'm still... It's a part of me that still feels shame about that. Okay, so I'm gonna tell you a quick story before I answer your Go question. Ahead. So I think for a fact that in the north you're you're trained to be a wife. Mm. And one of the things that as a wife you're expected to do is be able to cook delicious meals for your husband. Mm-hmm. So I think your mom is also trained to pass it down to your child. My daughter is nine mm-hmm. and she's already cooking. Wow. Yes. Oh, I think I started cooking. Yeah, my daughter is nine and she's already cooking. And I'm one of those moms that's like, you know, because of course I'm here now and it's like before child services say, you know, something else. Uh-huh. So, you know, leave the kitchen and you're always there, like hovering over her, like, you know, move away, fire. And, and she's really interested in, like, she really, this is what she really wants to do. So, I mean, my mom enrolled her for cooking classes and she loves it. She mm. makes different kinds of things. But, you know, you're, you're just expected, you're, you're, you're parents your mom is just expected to teach you like her mom taught her mm. and it's just that we are this is we are taught to cook in steps we're not taught to like put everything in the pot and just you know cook 
that's my style of cooking. <laughs> you can't ask me how many cups you put there. You know, I just gauged it because that's how I was start. No, no. We do a lot of eye cooking. Yeah, it's eye cooking, but it's like steps. You know, you boil the rice, you set it aside, you fry the sauce. Yeah, it's too much water. I mean, but you can tell that there's a difference. There's it comes a style. Out there's a style. It still flows that your back part yeah, of me. Yeah. So, so. I was like, should I, should I tell her that I really love that you love? It was like Jekyll and Hyde moment. Like, eh, eh, eh. I don't want to. I don't want to. So, my cousins, we all went home for Christmas. And my grandma, my grandma, who is mm-hmm. 80, by the way, cooked. The one that lives in, um, yeah, in Yeah. She cooked. And my cousin, my older cousin, yeah. his wife was looking at him. Because he filled a mountain of rice with... Um, stew and duck on his plate and he sat down and he ate it <laughs> and his wife was like baby you've never eaten my food like this so wow. <laughs> she was like no more food for you in the house That's not catch like, you have never <laughs> eaten my food like this she was like it's my grandma's food but you know even and guess what my grandma only cooks with salt and magista nothing she doesn't add anything else but Fun, curry is, and all those kind of no, stuff no no we are the ones that add all those ceremonies mm-hmm. to the thing Serum is extra fluff, by the way. So no Nigerians listening to this. Yeah, well, so we're the ones that add all the extras to it. Yeah, so, I guess it's just passed down from generation to generation. Well, let it be said that a point, a very proud Yoruba girl, thanks a Hausa girl for the prowess in jollof rice cooking. Ooh. And I don't think I ever want to mention that again because I feel like I'm betraying my tribe. Very Yoruba people. I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> eventually, eventually. Because that the taste of that jello fries really, really meddled my prayer. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to let her know. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Okay. <laughs> um, so, now you're currently in grad school, right? Yes, I am. What, what would you say has been the major adjustment? Taking it from someone that has been in grad school at the same university, different programs, of course. I know it's definitely not an easy process. But what would you say has been the you know hardest adjustment for you? Well, I guess growing up in a large family, the hardest thing for me was being away from my family yeah and not having like not waking up in the morning and then you know seeing everybody mm. especially my daughter it's yeah. been that, that's been like the hardest part even though they come to visit like every three months but still you know it's hard and another thing that was really hard is not actually having a life like actually having to study <laughs> yeah if you work for a while and come back to grad school that usually happens because you have to put a lot of dedication oh no it. like it's 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 amazing how how much hard work is expected of you like it teachers is. your professors are not going to just dash your grades you like, also have a full-time job too yes i do as yeah. a matter of fact yeah. i need to pay rent yeah the streets gotta eat <laughs> we have to eat so yes i do have a full-time job so juggling my full-time job yeah being a grad school student yeah being a mom mm-hmm. an absentee mom and you know no absentee i know you call your daughter every day that i, I call know her every i know day, it's not absentee <laughs> i know she knows that you really love her so don't say that about yourself no 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 like just not being there oh like, in person okay to, see, yes see, having see. to push the responsibility to my mom yeah. to like you know always liaison with my mom on okay she needs this let's yeah. do this and yeah. do this it, it was kind of weird mm. you know just being that you know she has a fever i just put her in a car and take her to the hospital is now it's like she had a fever we took her to the hospital this is what the doctor they're telling you after the fact yeah you know Aww. or oh this happened the other day and we just didn't want to bother you with oh it. i'm goodness. like no like that's my daughter i want to yeah. hear everything yeah, exactly 
So those are like really hard moments, mm -hmm. but then, I mean, she's in good hands. I appreciate my mom, I appreciate my family. They mm -hmm. are absolutely amazing. Yeah. I mean, look how I turned. Uh, let's not use you. <laughs> let's talk about your other wonderful siblings. <laughs> Remember I said you're an outlier, and I mean that in oh every word gosh, of it. No, mom. Yeah, turn down. <laughs> you ain't well turned yet. <laughs> Anyways, good, good, good. Yeah. Um, if your mom were listening to this, what would you like to tell her? Oh my gosh, she is, my mom is my world. She mm -hmm. is super amazing. I love her. Thank you very much, mom, for being you. Mm -hmm. You know, I wouldn't be where I am today mm -hmm. without you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for raising such amazing children because I love my siblings to death. They are my support to system. Death. Yes, yes, <laughs> I will kill you if you touch my siblings. Yes, <laughs> okay. it is that intense. <laughs> but yes, they, like, I, like I don't even have I wish I could give you the world oh. but I'll give you whatever I have just yeah. to make you as happy and just you know whatever you need I will always be there for you like oh. you've always been there for all oh. of us oh. we love you yeah. I'd like to add to that she raised a very phenomenal daughter oh and that advice she gave you about go see the world i mean you're here now and i know you're gonna make the best of it probably she didn't have the same opportunities as you had now yeah but i didn't stop her from telling you to go beyond what she you know what what she has accomplished so i want to thank your mom for telling you that and that you ran away like a good daughter and you you know you're halfway around the world and living your dream even though you're away from her but i know at the end of the day you'll find yourselves again and be together as a happy family amen Good, good. So a while ago, I put up a, a Facebook post. That, like for me, I love music. A day without music is a day without just. It's not a fun day. And music speaks to my emotion. It's my love language. And I put a short blog on Facebook about friends. Tell me um, your song that you like. Cause I have songs that when I listen to, they remind me of friends that that like that song. And for you, you had replied with one very weird song, which I didn't know existed until you shared. I was like. Wear sunscreen. So I went on YouTube and I tried to play it and I looked at the lyrics. I was like, huh. It had like everything. So if you don't know this song I'm talking about, oh it's, <laughs> it's called Wear Sunscreen and it's by Baz Lorman. Or everyone's free to wear sunscreen. And it tells you rules for living life. But in a very, very serious way. You know, one so why that song? Why why is that your favorite song in the world? Because it just gives everybody, <laughs> it talks about everybody and everything. And it just simply says like, be kind to yourself. Mm -hmm. You're basically doing the best you possibly can, mm -hmm. you know? Like your chances are, you, all your choices are half chance, yeah. you know? You, yeah. you make a choice and you never really know how it's going to turn out. Yeah. I think that's my favorite verse in the entire song, you yeah. know? And I guess maybe you'll marry, maybe you won't. Maybe you won't, maybe we have kids, maybe, maybe you won't. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's so much I love it because it also talks about, you know, one of the things that we're very particular about in our generation and in the 20th century is the fact that, you know, we're very conscious about body image uh -huh. and people's perspective of us uh -huh. and always wanting to please people and go out of our way. And yeah. that just, the song just basically is like explaining to you that, you know what, you, these are the people who you should be kind to, you yeah. friends, some of them will come and go, yeah. you know, but your family will always be there. Whether you like it or not, your body is like your greatest asset, so you have to love it, regardless of it whatever is. shape it is. It says your, it's your biggest instrument, Yeah, and it says you're not as fat as you imagine. Yeah. It's like, whoa, <laughs> talk to 
me bad. <laughs> true, true. I think you know. when I listen to that song, anytime I listen to that song, by the way, I, I think about you. And while you were here spending the weekend with me, remember I just keyed it up on the YouTube. Yeah, that was really nice. Because you didn't know I was going to do that. <laughs> For me, the song evokes memories, evokes imagination, it evokes um, like the troubles you have in life and how so much... Even though they seem like troubles, but sometimes they are trivial things yeah. that we focus on. How we yeah. look, True. how we sound. And does I mean, I love the lyrics of a song. I suggest everyone to like look it up. One thing it says, enjoy the power and beauty of your youth. You will not understand the power and beauty until they fade away. Yeah. But trust yeah. me, 20 years, you look back at those photos, be like, wow. Because you look back and you mind that was a very simple time, but then it didn't seem so. Yeah. You know, and to me, that reminds me of mindfulness, living in the moment. It's good to look back on the past, but that shouldn't stop you from living in the moment yeah. and enjoying everything, sure. every part of it. And it says, don't waste your time on jealousy. Sometimes you're ahead, sometimes you're behind. You yeah. know, and that's fine. Sometimes you have people doing better than you, sometimes you're doing better than others. You know, just live in the moment. Yeah. So thanks for sharing that song with me. I Well, I'm I glad you it. liked it more because you didn't act like you did. I did it because I thought it was a weird title and as I looked at it, I was like, whoa. I, lo- I love it, I love it, I love it. So uh, we're kind of winding down. You're a single mom, right? Mm-hmm. And you have a nine-year-old daughter. Yeah. And I can't even imagine how difficult that is. But I mean, by being your friend, I've you've talked about some of the challenges, but I can't even you know wrap my head around it. But I do know it's not been an easy task for you. What would you say your hopes are for your daughter? Well, for one, that she will never have to be a single mom mm-hmm. <laughs> ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I mean, there's strong women out there doing it, and I don't really feel like I'm a single mom because I feel like my mom's kind of like her dad, yeah. so and my brothers and my sisters are her extra mom, so yeah. she has a huge line of mommies and daddies that I don't really, you know, feel it anymore. But it's not really like the same. Though. Yeah, but yeah. it's really like not the same because you have to make like tough decisions sometimes by mm. yourself, which mm. is hard. And then, of course, all the finances involved in raising a child. Yeah. But I also hope that, you know, life is kind to her. Mm. That she finds love and she finds happiness. Mm. And that, you know, what, wherever she is yeah. in life, she never doubts that she's an amazing, amazing woman. Wow. Yeah. I guess with the strong um, matrilineal heritage you have with your grandma, your mom, and then you, she's in good hands. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. So Zainab came to visit me yesterday and they bombarded me on the store. And there's a sad story behind that. They snuck up behind me, drove all the way from Austin, lied to me, and they surprised me. They surprised visit me. Normal people say, Oh my goodness, my friends came to visit me. But no, I'm still reeling from the betrayer because to me it seems like a betrayer because I was lied to to, for them to find me. But that's not even the story. Zainab stopped by stories and bought so many stuff for her daughter. You're such a good mom. You're always, always so thoughtful of your daughter. So I'm just All letting right. you know that. They were on sale, guys. <laughs> still yet. Still, 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 still. All right. Um, last thing I'd like to ask for you is to speak how sad. Just a very long, complicated sentence. Don't curse me out, okay? <laughs> I just want to hear you speak how sad. Especially for those that are listening. Maybe talk about how you feel in Hausa or how after like okay, let me ask you in English and you play. So how do you feel about this episode of, of the podcast? It's your first time, right? Yeah. Okay. Um so I'm going to speak Hausa, but just disclaimer, it's weird to speak Hausa to yourself and after like <laughs> two years or three years, you begin to think about your sentences before you say it. So for those of you that are 
can understand Hauser and are listening to this, I do actually speak really good Hauser. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I just need a little brush. Why can't you assume that I can speak Hauser? How dare you discriminate against me? ハカ。なたパタチは、やんばたちは、あぶねけばた、あんま。やりんでてけがぼんくやんぞ、ワンでてけ、ホスンワナアブ。てなだずちやん、アジェンダ。オーライ。I ハウスライクナンバーワンねえ、it's ハウスライクナンバーワンねえ、ハウスライクナンバーワンねえ、ハウスライクナンバーワンねえ、ハウスライクナンバーワンねえ、ハウスライクナンバーワンねえ、ハウスライクナンバーワンねえ、ハウス
education? I just finished my master's in early childhood special education. I am studying special education with a concentration in learning disabilities well, there you go. and behavioral disorders. You heard it from the horse's mouth. <laughs> she also happens to be a Hausa girl with an asterisk. And that asterisk means a very continental Hausa girl whose jollof fries still topples me to today. And for one of the things I had to make her do right now before we started this podcast was to make that same recipe again. And she, she didn't eat a film doing that. Um... So today we talked about a lot of things. We talked about Hausa people, that's like a major tribe in Nigeria. We talked about why they don't immigrate. We talked about Zainab's hope for the future, especially as it regards to special education in Nigeria. We also talked about challenges being a single mom and you know the things that are open. We talked about music as well and her favorite song. Um, don't forget to leave comments and I'd like to hear from you what you think about this episode. What are some things you liked, things you didn't like? And follow me on Facebook at Mosibo or the Mosibo Podcast. It's also available on iTunes as the Mosibo Podcast. Well, I look forward to talking to you soon, Mosibo. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen of the class of 99, wear sunscreen. If I could offer you only one tip for the future, Sunscreen would be it. The long-term benefits of sunscreen have been proved by scientists, whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. I will dispense this advice now. Enjoy the power and beauty of your youth. Never mind. You will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they fade it. But trust me, in 20 years, you look back at photos of yourself and recall in a way you can't grasp now how much possibility lay before you and how fabulous you really looked. You are not as fat as you imagine. Don't worry about the future or worry, but know that worrying as effective as trying to solve an algebra equation by chewing bubblegum. The real troubles in your life are apt to be things that never crossed your worried mind, the kind that blindsides you at 4 p.m. on some idle Tuesday. Do one thing every day that scares you. Sing. Don't be reckless with other people's hearts. Don't put up with people who are reckless with yours. Floss. Don't waste your time on jealousy. Sometimes you're ahead, sometimes you're behind. The race is long, and in the end, it's only with yourself. Remember compliments you receive. Forget the insults. If you succeed in doing this, tell me how. Keep your old love letters. Throw away your old bank statements. Stretch. Don't feel guilty if you don't know what you want to do with your life. The most interesting people I know didn't know at 22 what they wanted to do with their lives. Some of the most interesting 40-year-olds I know still don't. Get plenty of calcium. Be kind to your knees. You'll miss them when they're gone. Maybe you'll marry. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll have children. Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll divorce at 40. Maybe you'll dance the funky chicken on your 75th wedding anniversary. Whatever you do, don't congratulate yourself too much or berate yourself either. Your choices are half chance. So are everybody else's. Enjoy your body. Use it every way you can. Don't be afraid of it or what other people think of it. It's 
the greatest instrument you'll ever own. Dance. Even if you have nowhere to do it but in your own living room. Read the directions, even if you don't follow them. Do not read beauty magazines. They will only make you feel ugly. Get to know your parents. You never know when they'll be gone for good. Be nice to your siblings. They're your best link to your past and the people most likely to stick with you in the future. Understand that friends come and go, but with a precious few, you should hold on. Work hard to bridge the gaps in geography and lifestyle, because the older you get, the more you need the people you knew when you were young. Live in New York City once, but leave before it makes you hard. Live in Northern California once, but leave before it makes you soft. Travel. Accept certain inalienable truths. Prices will rise. Politicians will philander. You too will get old. And when you do, you'll fantasize that when you were young, prices were reasonable, politicians were noble, and children respected their elders. Respect your elders. Don't expect anyone else to support you. Maybe you have a trust fund. Maybe you'll have a wealthy spouse. But you never know when either one might run out. Don't mess too much with your hair, or by the time you're 40, it will look 85. Be careful whose advice you buy, but be patient with those who supply it. Advice is a form of nostalgia. Dispensing it is a way of fishing the past from the disposal, wiping it off, painting over the ugly parts, and recycling it for more than it's worth. But trust me, on the sunscreen.